when we first spit out the first iterations of the generation from all the different traits they put in. I remember the first time he saw it and he saw his artwork in a way he's never seen before in his life. And it was almost overwhelming for him because 20 years of his work is in the Boondi Project. And I think that's what's so special about it. All right, guys. So today we have a super, super awesome guest. I want to say thank you for all the support we've seen recently. Um, we have Mr. Greg Norman Jr. from the Bungie Project and Jupiter Group. Uh, yeah, shit. I mean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, dude. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, and guys, if you want to check out the last podcast, I think I did one with uh, Jordan Castro a few days ago. If you want to check that out with Doodles, um, we're just going to get started. We're going to talk about Greg is a person, the Bungie Project, Jupiter. We're going to get into all the things, and I want to make sure, because I saw some comments in the last video that people were saying it wasn't technical enough. I didn't ask any deep questions about details and projects, and that's not really the goal of these of these interviews I do with people. It's more to figure out who these people are as humans and to just basically humanize them. There's so many people with projects that nobody knows who these people are, and I just think it's really good to humanize them. So we'll have some rapid-fire questions at the end. We got some good stuff. Um, and yeah, so I'll just roll my intro. Guys, welcome to your joy age. Uh, it's Cage, your guy to replace the voice I for now, giving you a break from the constant our monologue that is the human mind. I want to say first, thank you for listening and viewing. Whatever platform you're on, if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button, drop a like in this video. This interview will go on the main channel because it's, it's NFT related, but usually Joy's judge, judge podcast on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. That's where all that shit is. So go ahead and follow that. We're going to get started right now. Um, I just want to say first, Greg, that, uh, dude, the Boonchi Project, your Twitter, and like, the level of engagement and level of community you've built just from doing things like retweeting, responding, gifts, all those things, it's been unbelievable and it's definitely set you apart from all the other projects. Is that something that's always been on your mind from like your background in marketing and working in socials and all that? Yeah. So while this is my first experience of building a company in crypto and NFT, uh, I've been building companies for over a decade now and running companies and working in companies from sports marketing licensing division. I was a professional athlete for about 15 years, worked with my dad, Greg Norman, in our family company, doing branding, licensing, building companies, investing in companies. So had a very good base already to be able to understand what it needed to take to launch this as effectively as we possibly can Hell and yeah. grow it and, and help it sustain itself. Do you think that, uh, cause I play, I, I didn't go, I didn't go professional, but I did play college sports. I dabbled in the NCAA arena. So I understand the whole thing with teamwork. Uh, do you think any of that work with professional sports has helped in your, in your way of like teamwork and delegating and tasks and being a leader and all that stuff? Yeah, for sure. So I did play team sports growing up, but I was a professional kiteboarder and wakeboarder and individual sport. I played a lot of golf too. Yeah. Uh, individual sport, I think uh, it prepares you for failure more <laughs> so than anything else. Yeah. Because uh, ex example with uh, action sports, you know, you got to be prepared to eat a lot of shit, mm -hmm. then get up and go do it again, iterate, evolve, get better and get better and get better. So I think that's a great uh, analogy for how it is to start a company and launch it, launch a company. Because it takes a ton of work and you have to dedicate yourself 100%, 105%, as much as you possibly could do to even get close to something that's successful. Um, I built wake parks before this, built golf courses before this, and it took years of work in order to make sure it happens. And this space in tech, in, in crypto, as you know, a day is a week and a week is a month and a month is a year. It happens so fast. 
And uh, it really is all hands on deck all the time in order to keep grinding it out. And you got to love it. So same with, same with sports. If you're not loving it and you're not grinding it, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. And for anyone listening, that was a huge gold nugget he just dropped is that real brands, like something like I always bring this up, like the Simpsons is not built in one season. It's not built in one year. Simpsons is built over a 20 year period of brand work. And with Bungie, I see that I see a lot with, uh, with similarities with projects uh, that, that focus on, on branding and aren't really focused on short-term utility that everyone loves to throw around. And Bungie is really, really focused on in real, like I, I know that you guys are doing some giveaways with like real art. You guys are trying to do like art galleries to do events and all these things. And, and those are the real things that build a brand. And you guys have a lot of experience with that. And I was, I got, I got to listen on some of the, uh, the interview with, I forget what the guy's name was that you did like last week, but I was able to hear about the part of how you had grown up basically working with, with someone who was in the business world. And so you had that business savvy sense, just like, just you got handed the you know the right set of cards or whatever and what was that like because what what age did you start working and being like okay I'm like in business right now was it like 12 years old kind of thing you just like jumped in or uh well I was following my dad around the world in his professional golf career and then also seeing him start up the business and be able to operate a business while also having a professional golf career so I was just inundated daily with how much work he had to put into it so that's just normal to me now and I guess in a way it's uh yeah it's normal I saw it from an early onset about how hard he had to work in order to grow anything of substance whether it be on the golf course or whether it be in the boardroom it, it just it it's not uh in any way shape or form normal mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's not the amount of workload you got to put into it uh the day-to-day is not nine to five it really is 20 hours a day you need a spouse. I'm lucky to have a fiance who completely understands what it takes in order to build something because she built something herself. Uh, so it takes a team around you. It's certainly not is just me. It's my partners. It's our moderators. It's our community managers. It's our developers. It's everyone involved with this putting all hands on deck because they see the long-term potential of it because they want to see it grow because they feel connected to it. They feel pride being associated to it. hundred percent. That's so important. And talk to me about, because this is something that I have no problem with because I, for like a year straight, just listened to Gary, everything Gary V said, or Tom Billu said, I just yeah. was like, all right, that's just, I'm just going to go with that and apply it as much as I can. And Gary talks a lot about delegation and knowing when to say, you know what, it's going to take more effort for me to learn this thing than just to hire somebody else. So talk to me about delegation. And if that's something you guys pounce on as soon as possible, do you wait a little bit? Is it better to do it all when you're first getting started? Because I know there's a lot of new people who watch this, a lot of people starting new projects and they're like my age, you know, young twenties. And they're like, I don't know what's going on. I've never started a business. Like, do you have any advice for that? Yeah. When you're that young and I started a business when I was really young too, no one has a clue. Mm -hmm. Just remember that as you're starting up your business or doing anything new in your life, Everyone starts in the same building block, which is everyone's probably scared and insecure and and, uh, and tired all the time. <laughs> you're wired and you're tired, but you're it's fun. You know, it's engaging. It's it really is an adrenaline rush. The highs and lows are exceptionally dramatic. Yeah. So you got to be used to uh, be uh, comfortable with hitting on both sides of the valleys, the peaks and valleys. You know, it's just like very arbitrary way to say it, but it's true. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, I can't underscore enough. And I, I listened to Gary Vee and he's a very good role model in this field is that he's aptly put it. 
you're going to have to eat a lot of shit in your 20s all in the, order to make it in your 30s. All the shit. And into your 40s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you will. And, and uh, the more you do it, the more, it, I guess, it, it gives you calluses mm-hmm. to be able to prepare yourself for the next bad thing that's going to come up because there's always going to be bad things that are going to come up. And it's the a way you have to work with your team to be able to navigate it, but then iterate it and then grow on those little chinks in the armor, those little roadblocks to make it sure that it is successful. And uh, yeah, look, I mean, if you're starting up, if you're doing something new, whether it be in sport or business, dude, I got to tell you, everyone is insecure at the start of it. Everyone's scared. Everyone is nervous. Everyone needs to know how hard it is because no matter how big the business is, no matter how big the the influencer was before they started the business, it's still exceptionally difficult. Mm-hmm. You go listen to Gary now, the guy grinds 20 hours a day because he loves it. And yeah. You better love it before you get into it because there's going to be hard times more so than the bad times. Yeah, 100%. And, and what you said about building those calluses, it's so true. And I know I, I said this in the last podcast, but Will Smith said something about something along the lines of success on the inside of fear. And it's so true in the sense that you you really can't know what that other side is like until you've opened that door. And for me, like I, I was working at a restaurant. I hated my life. I was making a lot of money, but I was like, what's the end goal here? Am I just going to work at a restaurant my whole life? And so I was like, well, I want to try this like road trip thing. And I live in a van kind of thing. So I was like, well, I can't afford a van. So I just transformed my car into a mobile home, traveled the whole country for like six months, lived in my car. And like the amount of just internal growth I got out of that, and then the ability to just pivot at any moment and say, fuck it, I'm doing this. Fuck it, I'm doing that. You know, I've spent six months doing this, but like now I got to do this. And I just got to be able to put this down and pick this up. And that only comes from that experience. And it's huge. It's it's like the most important thing. And I just want to know, so this is a little bit transitioning, but you, you were in sports, you were in media, you were with golf, you were with that, like hardcore business. How the hell do you get roped into an artist-focused project like Boonji with Brendan Murphy? Like, how does that even happen? Did you know him for a long time? Was he, was he like a golfer or something? Or <laughs> No, uh, he is an athlete. He was a professional basketball player. He fell in love with tennis. So there's a small connection there between tennis and him. But my good friend, who's now my partner in Jupiter Group, Nicole McGraw, she was a curator of a gallery that worked with Brendan for over 20, 10 years. Okay. She built up his projects, built up his uh, his artwork, sold his artwork. And so uh, back up a step, I was introduced to crypto at a very young age, uh, young age, I was 25, I guess, but um, from a young young age in the industry yeah. uh, by a good friend, Bill Tai, who started Dapper Labs and then did CryptoKitties. So I, uh, and you're, by the way, your interview with the founder of Doodles was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I, he, He's really good too. I mean, that's yeah. a hell of a project got going on there, but he worked with CryptoKitties. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bill introduced me to blockchain and Bitcoin back in 2011. Uh, and I got obsessed with it. It fell down the rabbit hole a long time, uh, gained a lot of good network in that space just by connecting with people, uh, talking with people. While I never did anything building wise, I invested into it and I, uh, obviously got obsessed with it as it tends to do to people. And um, so Nicole, fast forward, uh, wait, wait, so back up a step too. We were pitched to do a Greg Norman NFT by a third party. And this is not a slight at them whatsoever because this is not their expertise, but the, there was no marketing plan. There is no strategy. There is no execution. There is not little to no effort in the artwork. So I saw from the inside what it was to be like a brand 
looking at or getting pitched by another third party to want to take their brand and do an NFT. And one thing for sure we never do with Greg Norman Company is we try to minimize our downside for the brand, but maximize the upside. So we never just jump into anything arbitrarily. So we pulled back the throttle uh, of doing the Greg Norman NFT just to observe the landscape for a little bit. And then Nicole came to me a couple of days later and said, look, I work with all these artists. One of them is Brendan Murphy. He really wants to do an NFT. All these artists are talking about NFTs because this is just after people's big $69 million thing. <laughs> so it caused a ripple effect yeah. within the industry. And um, she said, I want to partner with you to launch Jupiter Group. I want you to be a CEO. Uh, she knew how connected uh, I was, not just in the sports and marketing world, but also in the crypto world and how passionate I was about it. So I jumped in head first, literally jumped in head first and um, put pretty much everything else behind in a way. I got great people running the other businesses right now, but I spend 99.9% .9 of my time focused huh. on Boonji Project, Jupiter Group, and our next project, Polygoons. Uh, so she had the artwork, she had Brendan, and the beautiful thing about how this all came about is even though... Brendan is a world famous contemporary artist. He's got 22 foot statues in Antigua yeah. and doing one in London, et cetera, et cetera. He was never in this space before, never understood NFTs before, never understood crypto before, but he knew the opportunity there ahead of him in terms of what it could do for his artwork. And he wanted to dive in head first too. So all of us at the beginning of the year just said, fuck it, let's go. Let's do the Brennan Murphy NFT. Uh, eventually it evolved into being a 10K avatar project, 11K avatar project for us. And we tried to figure out a way how to distinguish ourselves, which was we have a living, breathing artist, Brennan Murphy, who's dedicated himself full-time to this. He's got a, 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 a laundry basket full of in real life physical art that he could incorporate into our sort. Our theory in our, our model from day one is how do we connect his physical world to his now digital world? And that's what we did with the Dutch auction and minting. You know, if you minted during the Dutch, we gifted away $5 million of in real yeah. life art from what him. What the fuck, dude? That is insane. I remember hearing <laughs> about that and I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, and what was really special is the other day we just found out who won the seven foot, $750,000 Boonji sculpture and it's a kid from Fort Lauderdale. Oh my God. He's 19 so years old. He's a college student and uh, he's so enthusiastic, man. He, you know, like he knows what this is and how powerful this is for him. And now he's, he's Brendan Murphy's youngest collector. So now that we've gotten past the mint, now we've, now we're going to focus on uh, how do we gain value for our, our current holders and that's the beautiful thing about Brendan. He's dedicated to this day and night in the community, in the Discord, in Twitter, talking to everybody because this has done so much for him personally as an artist because now you have – at one point we had 135,000 people in our Discord Good God. learning about him for the first time. And majority of them, you know, they probably never heard of Brendan Murphy's art before. So now you have this artist who lives in the contemporary real world – now connecting with a global marketplace, right? Now he's connecting with people in, we spoke with him the other day, in Thailand, in Australia, in New Zealand, in London, uh, it, across the globe. 
And now people are understanding who Brendan is, mm -hmm. his type of artwork, and now connecting with art like they never have before. Yeah, so I've I, never connected with art that was before I saw it. NFTs. Yeah. I mean, that literally opened the door for me. I'd never bought art before in my life. And then I saw one I liked and I was like, well, I guess I got to download a Phantom Wallet. It was on SoulSea. And I was like, okay. So I bought one and I was like, oh, I kind of like this. And I was like, this is different. This is not what I thought it was. And for Boonji, like the, for what people, some people are going to hear what you said and apply it directly to them. So the difference between the Boonji project with Brendan Murphy is Brendan was a very established person in the art world, just in real art, contemporary art and all that stuff. If you're a, a no-name artist, like no-name artist, if you haven't sold millions of dollars worth of art, to hold an NFT project and be like, we're going to give you a piece of art, it doesn't mean as much because you're not Brandon Murphy. So it's really important not to like shit on those people, but it's really important to make sure the distinction is there for anyone new. I mean, if you're just starting NFTs out and you've never sold any art ever, do not list your thing for 75 Ethereum because it's just simply not worth that yet. I mean, I think some randomly do sell for something crazy, but... And you have to earn your way. And Brendan has been doing that for years, doing art and building his own like thing there. And people can see that you can, you can feel vibe pretty quickly. I feel like, and yeah, that was something I noticed really early on was, was the amount of engagement that you guys were doing was, was on par with, with like only three or four other projects that I've seen that are in the profile pick collection world. And, um, it shows it's so, it's so painfully obvious which projects those are. And it's really, in my opinion, it's not that hard to know when the bear market, when the real bear market comes and everything crashes to zero, likely all the projects are going to take a massive hit. And I know everyone was dogging on me because they were like, Dogecoin's not going to go under one Ethereum. I was like, it's going to be, it's going to get ugly guys. All the projects, it's going to be blood red for a while. And during that time is when you find the projects, you know, you like, and just have a note and just scoop those up when the bear market comes. And if there's artists like Boonji or, or uh, Brendan Murphy that you couldn't get your art couldn't get your hands on it because it's half an Ethereum. It was two, two Ethereum at one point. I think the floor was, and it's like, yeah, it's just, that's, that's a, it's priced off for a lot of people. And for those people, just wait, just be patient, hold your liquid and just wait and buy later. And I would love to hear your, um, your thoughts on how you guys went from let's do an NFT project with Brendan Murphy, this, this prominent artist, and then going, you know what, let's make a 11,000 like collection here. And then also what you're, what is Jupiter Group in relation to Bungie exactly? What's is there a, dis a difference there? Are they the same? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so Jupiter Group is the company I co-founded and the CEO of, which partners with individuals like Brendan Murphy, brands, institutions, organizations, IPs, in order to help build out their total NFT vertical. And when I say NFT vertical, is that the way I see it, the way I believe that this whole technology is going to take it is already revolutionizing how brands and businesses connect with their customers. Mm -hmm. You know, I've typically you build, you have an idea for a product, you build a example of that product, you try to find product market fit, you find some customers and then you marketed it. Well, this just flips everything on the head, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're building up the product with your community. You build a community base first and you're engaging with them constantly, talking to them, actually iterating on the product with them, gaining advice for them because a lot of them have some beautiful ideas. Yeah. There's some really smart people in this space and they have exceptional amount of uh, good ideas to help build up the product or build up the business or build up the community themselves. And that's what I think is amazing because now you have 11,000 or you have 5,000 or even 2,000 people who are actively engaging in your business because they're intrinsically involved. 
right? Mm -hmm. They want to see it all grow together. And that is what honestly Web3 is about, right? It's, it's building everything together where everyone could eventually profit off of it, not just a centralized unit profit off of it. And I think that's beautiful. And I think we're going to see this flood of brands and major organizations coming into this NFT space because the cat's out of the bag now. People know that there is a lot of money to be made in this space. So they're going to do everything they can to try to put an NFT product out there for people to buy. But I do believe we've gone past this point already where Mm -hmm. people can sniff out the bullshit. They know what's going to be real and not real. If Nike comes, I heard this from the other day and I wish I knew who said this in a tweet. And I, I, I'm not even going to try to say who said this, but this is not from me. <laughs> it, it was the announcement from when Nike did the Roblox deal yep. with uh, Nike Land, right? They said, what's a better headline? Nike makes $100 million off of Roblox or a kid makes a million dollars off of selling a digital Nike shoe. Right. I think that's so much better. Yeah. And I think as the brands start evolving, they'll realize that last storyline is so much more impactful for the longevity of what they're trying to build of their brand if they have ambassadors everywhere because they're holding these assets, holding these products as NFTs, which hopefully everyone's working together as a community to grow it. Yeah, and and that's the new age of social media, I think, because for so long, even still right now, like the the reason I I open my channel is because all the channels are the same. Even my favorite people in the space are all making the same video. I don't even, I literally have not watched any of their videos except for Tony because I just like him. And it's just thousand X coins, this, that, and it's all clickbait. And I'm like, dude, if I blow up and I have a million subscribers, I don't want to have to make those videos to appease my audience. I want to make the videos that I believe are actually valuable and not have to clickbait every day. And, and to grow a company based on that, on, on community first and legit value, how different is that from running your past companies? Like you, you literally were just like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this right now. And you're going all hundred percent. How much of that from your past have you been able to apply to this new style of marketing and media and brand building? Yeah, it flips everything on its head for sure. But I mean, the core concepts of running a business is still there. You still need amazing people around you in order to run the business. You still need everything to work out correctly. You mm-hmm. still need a marketing strategy. You still need a PR strategy. You still need all these core concepts that do take a lot of time and effort to build out. But, but I, so it's now reverted back to me. Like now I, so I own a wakeboard park called Shark Wake Park. We're in South Carolina and in West Palm Beach. And it's made me realize what a community I have there that I need to apply what I've learned from Web3 into this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm doing this right now because there's a lot of legal implications, but I would love to way to see how to turn that into a DAO. Yeah. I would love a way to see how to turn into a golf course into a DAO where you could absolutely have the membership having controlling interest because your membership most likely would run the business better than the majority of people out there because it's a hive mind, right? You're getting input from so many different people. And like, like so you did say something uh, a little bit earlier I want to revert back to is that how you kind of lost interest in the same shit people are talking about over and over again, except for a few, like Tony does a really good job for sure. Um, This industry is so new and like any industry, you're going to have people out there trying to exploit it, right? We all know how many scammers drop into the discord to try to change one letter around the URL to try to scam people out of their money. And that does get 
even the smartest people, even people from tech, yeah. people still yeah. fall for these scams because it's so new. So I think every industry does go through these growing pains. I think it takes evolution and people getting used to it and people getting burned. They're either going to get pushed out of the market or they're going to understand it and be able to have those calluses, as we talked about earlier, in order to protect themselves even better. But that's, I think what's so cool about this space is that this is true financial sovereignty, mm -hmm. right? We are the sovereigns of our own assets, if you will, you know, from Bitcoin to Ethereum to Solana to our NFTs. We are in control of that. Everything we do on the internet, especially in Web3, we have to be purely accountable for yep. So we have to be accountable and responsible for the fact there's probably going to be X number of percentage of people are full of shit, <laughs> completely full of shit. And we, but I do think that is going to get pushed away because the vast majority of people in this market, in this industry are here because they love it. Yep. They're either incredibly smart. They're either incredibly in tune to way the culture is going and they just feel like this is a good place to be and honestly want to build it for everybody. And I think as we talk about, you know, like what Tony's doing and what Doodles is doing, what Doge Pound is doing, there's not many of these groups out there. Even though there are a couple hundred, whatever, a couple thousand different NFT collections out there now, it's still nothing. Yeah. It's still tiny. Right, right. There's still a fraction of the population of the planet involved with this. <laughs> so I say that we all really do need to all work together right here. I, I, like, I think majority of us who are on... Uh, NFT Twitter, we know there's a bit of a drama going yep. back and forth between some big influencers the last few days. Yep. And it was sad to see. Yeah, really sad to see because in this time period right now, everyone's got to be working together to grow the pie or this pie could be a burnt piece of shit on the floor if we don't, <laughs> if we don't allow it to be. So everyone, it's all hands on deck in my opinion. And guys like you actually building something of substance and real, I've went back and watched a lot of your episodes. Thank you. You're Thank doing you. this right. You're doing this correctly. You're putting your all into it. You're thinking about it. You're, you're responding accurately to questions and, and doing a good interview based study, but you're also building out your platform in the right way, which takes a lot of work. Yeah. So I compliment you and applaud you for the, what you're doing here. Thank you, man. I appreciate, I really appreciate you watching those videos too. Um, that's, that's the way I want to do it. I, I don't know who said it, but someone, I, I read it or I saw, and he was like, if you build like if you get successful, if you succeed and you did it the wrong way, you are going to hate yourself when you get there because all that work is going to literally have been done for nothing. And I was like, I saw people like Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu and Joe Rogan's podcast. And I was like, that takes 20 years. It's going to take me 20 years. It's, gonna, it's already going to take up forever. So let me just do this right. You know, even if, if I don't get to 100K in March, which is like my number that I want to hit because it would be cool. Like I'm not going to start making clickbait videos every other day so I can hit my mark. I don't really care. And so, yeah, I, I want to do this right. And and how you just said about the the drama going on. I don't know if you remember, but Trostley with Jungle Freaks, that whole thing happened with with the um, art from 20 years ago or whatever it was. And I remember when, it, when that happened, I had talked in a video like a couple weeks before. I was like, hey, guys, just make sure if you buy into an, a project custom artist, you really, really have to make sure that all these other things are taken care of. You, you don't want to just buy in because of the artist because if anything goes wrong, obviously, you'll see what happened. And when that happened, that whole day for me was so weird. I felt like depressed and just dark and I didn't like the vibe on Twitter. Every one of the people I looked up to was just talking shit on Twitter and I was just like, oh my God, this is not what we needed right now. And I said in the video, I was like, this kind of opened Pandora's box to just like straight up toxicity and straight up just like civil war and 
and uh, what's the word polarizing just arguments back and forth. And I was like, this is, we were so good. And we just like hit that wall and it happened and it's fine. But how you said it, we're all in this together. The NFT land, we're 1% of the whole world right now. The 1% of the entire world, still not even 1% knows about it. And only 0.1% are actually participating. And so if you're in this space, if you're listening to this interview right now, honestly, you're, you're 10 steps ahead of the hurt because most people are just watching ex YouTuber saying this is going to blow up tomorrow. You're not learning anything. And there's actually so much value you can get from just listening to an hour while you're on a walk or doing dishes. Um, but talk to me. So I know we went broad there for a second. So I want to take it one step further. Do you see, because you talked about a DAO for your companies and your golf courses, do you see something like Nike or Adidas or big, big companies doing a, a DAO style of thing? Is that the future of brands and companies in general, or is it only for like NFT metaverse related stuff? Do you think? I, I would love to see it get that way. I really would. I, but I think it's going to take a lot of time for a big organization, a publicly traded company to be a full DAO, even though it somewhat is a publicly traded company should be uh fully engaged with the shareholders at all times and listening to shareholders at all times, but it's only through quarterly reports yeah. and maybe a phone yep. conversation. It's not like this where you're engaging with the community four or five times a day through discord and Twitter, probably even more. So you're getting that constant feedback in, which is also so cool because you're getting that constant feedback to help evolve everything and grow it. And that's why I think everything's so rapid right now, but I do. So I think Gary V is a hundred percent right. This is going to take over the world. And you can go back and listen to every one of his conversations for the last two years. Yeah, and he's been talking about it and hyping it yes. up. And I, I know it's true because not only do I, I listen to him and guys like him, but I'm having conversations with the thought leaders and the executives of major, major companies and major brands, major mm -hmm. organizations and institutions. They all know this is here. They all know they have to build a strategy very few actually see it the right way, mm -hmm. which is why I think this flood is going to come in yep. masses that the masses will come with it. And those, those that don't do it correctly without the right mindset, they're going to get pushed aside. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people will get burned by that. Yeah. Hopefully a lot of people will stay behind and see how much more powerful this is of a world adoption for a way to be strategic about not just business, but about community for longevity. And I think it's, I think it's inevitable. I really do think it's inevitable because yeah, you, when you have like the NBA that they did for top shot, that was the first entry for a lot of people into what this thing is. Then you're going to have the NFL yep. and then you're going to have the UFC. Then you're going to have the MLB with galaxy and then candies. And you're going to have more and more of this where these, these platforms and these brands with millions and tens of millions of people behind them will introduce blockchain and nfts to these people who never even think about it before and if done correctly which like what top shot did they will never have to know the word crypto yet they are involved with the space and then the, they will fall down the rabbit hole and then more people will fall down the rabbit hole so yeah i, I do think uh back to your answer to your question i do think it's inevitable i don't know when DAOs will come to major organizations like that but i do think it's it potentially could happen on a smaller scale in small business, mm -hmm. like Gary did NFTs for seating in a restaurant. Yep. That might be the first example. Um, I would love to try to do it one day for a DAO for the wake parks because it's in a public entity. It's in a public park. We have a great membership, a great community, people who love it. So that would be a fantastic UK case. But 
unfortunately, the United States is not very conducive to building out these type of entities because there's so much regulation on there. Yeah. And I think that's another thing we got to talk about. I mean, like we're on the, uh, an edge right now, right? These are not investment vehicles. Yeah. These are products. <laughs> yeah. Okay. These are products and these are art. And so we have to, as a community, as a, our global NFT community, make sure we're not doing anything rogue and not stepping over the boundaries of the law because they could come in there like that and it'll change up the whole landscape very quickly. And the way this is structured right now, it's beautiful, right? We are selling art. We are selling products. And it is a free, open, creative space right now for both artists and for entrepreneurs to be able to develop and grow. Free for you, a creator like you, an entrepreneur like me, a creator like Brendan. We could absolutely find this new foothold in something that's very, very new in the very beginning of this global hockey stick. That's going to happen. Yeah, 100%. I want to... I want to go. I think I think we talked about it a few minutes ago with with Jupiter Pride. This is completely like off topic because I feel like we we killed that part of the conversation. Like I think we hammered that home. If if you didn't hear that, if you didn't understand that, just rewind because that we killed that topic. You just covered that like literally perfectly. Every follow up question you answered before I even got the chance. So that was dope. But uh, question for the Jupiter Project because I know you've mentioned that a few times. Is that like a launch pad? Is that the company is a launch pad similar to like the Dogepound launch pad to get artists out or is it going to change up to different projects or what are you, what are you think, thinking there? No, I, I really like what Dogepound's doing with their launch pad and, and maybe we'll be able to do something like that today. Uh, but so no, it, it's not technically like the Dogepound launch pad. So we get deeply involved with the artists in order to build out their entire platform. Mm-hmm. Right. So we don't just bring on anybody because we don't even if they have a massive brand or following, we still don't want to bring them on because that individual or that brand or whoever it is needs to be in lockstep with us to see the long term vision of what this is. Mm-hmm. Not as like I'm going to leverage my brand and sell products. Right, right. I think that's not going to ever work. So what Jupiter Group does. We identify people like Brennan Murphy and people like Mr. E. And I'll get into Mr. E in a second who are going to devote themselves completely. And as an artist, they know the power of what converting their past history of art into NFTs could do to connect them to a vast new audience of individuals who are going to enjoy their art on a much different level because now they're they're holding of their assets, if mm-hmm. you will. So Mr. E is our next one. Miss, If you guys go to uh, Instagram right now, it's M-R-E-G-F-X, Mr. E. I'll look that up. He's got a uh, half a million followers on Instagram. You're going to get lost in his Instagram account because it is the craziest, most amazing digital graphic work you'll ever see. So he's currently got a collection out there on OpenSea called Polygoons, P-O-L-I-G-O-O-N-Z. And we're going to be launching the Polygoons Collective with him. So that is tying an ecosystem back together, how... Brennan Murphy and Bungie holders will gain whitelists into the polygons and vice versa. And there'll be a lot of collaborative work between the two That's cool. in order to grow the community and more network between the two. So right. it's not like we're, we're certainly not leaving Bungie project behind and focusing on something else. We're connecting a broader audience and we're connecting a broader network. We've hired a lot of new people like coin Banksy to run the community management for polygons. We've hired Ace, who is our new marketing manager for Jupiter Group, which is overseeing both the Bungie project and Polygons. We've hired a 
pretty badass new bar, uh, PR team to help oh, yeah. spread the word and get us out there in a public audience. Um, so we've made significant hires and brought on some amazing talent to grow both of these collectively because there is an interconnected ecosystem between the two. Can I throw in a question there? So I know a lot of people who are listening are, I've had a lot of people ask me because I work with the space with the uh, Ugaverse NFT. And so I just got that job off a YouTube video. I literally made a YouTube video. I said questions like uh, really honest questions I have for, uh, for Ugaverse basically. And they watched the video, they reached out and said, Hey, we liked like we liked you. Like, do you want to join our team? It's like a, a whatever. And a lot of people were like, how the hell did you get that job? What do I need to do? What do I need to learn? What course do I need to take? How can I join a team like Boonji? Is that even possible? Or do you need that, that five, 10 years of experience to join a, a big project like that? No, no, you don't need five, 10 years of experience. You just need to be a hard worker, great ideas and be able to really grind out with us. So, so we are actively hiring without a doubt. If you want to go send us your resume or go connect with us, Connect me on Twitter, connect with me on Discord, send me an email at info at jupitergroup.io because we're searching for the best and brightest people to be able to build out our company because we are actively getting more deal flow, yet alone our current projects right now, Bougie Project and Polygoons, we, we want to bring in as much talent we possibly can to give that as much as we possibly can, mm -hmm. put the resources back in as much as we possibly can. So as, as you know, in anything in life, if you're going to go look out for a job or want to be part of anything, you got to go try to reach out there and take it. 100%. It's not going to always come to you. Never going to come to you. Usually. Go, <laughs> never going to come to you. You're absolutely right. Yeah, good. Well said. So you got to go out, reach out. And if you want it badly enough, keep fighting for it. We've already made some hires within our Discord community. We've oh, already made sick, some nice. hires from Twitter. So, I mean, we're connecting with people on a day to day. And as I told you, that community that we have has brilliant ideas. There are brilliant people in this space who want to see, who love being a part of this. So that's what we need. We need people who are passionate about it, who are intelligent, who are hardworking, who are collaborative in teamwork. And let's go. Let, let's, we're ready to go. We're ready to hire. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Do you, um, is there anyone from like your, like, is there like a headquarters, like a real life headquarters or is everything remote? Do you have people like showing up your office saying like, Hey, I give me a job or like, what is it like? being in like a, a legitimate company brand NFT project thing. What is that like? Yeah. So I'm used to building uh, businesses, you know, like from start to scratch in the real world, right? Like I show up on site around the lake. I build up the wake park day in, day out, you know, working in the sweat and heat <laughs> in the sun with people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. And uh, so with this, you know, we built up Boonji Project from people all over the world. Okay. It was amazing, you know, connecting with people via Zoom, via conference, via uh, Skype. Not ah, Skype's dead. I shouldn't say Skype. Uh, <laughs> Telegram, via yeah. WhatsApp, you know, like it's pretty damn fun to be a part of this because everything happens so much faster because yeah. we don't have to deal with driving to a damn office every day. <laughs> I used That's to drive so to my office. It took me an hour and a half every yep. day to drive to my oh, office. God. It was a gigantic waste of time. I, it wasn't a waste of time because I listened to a ton of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Rogan, a lot of Gary Vee, uh, a lot of Lex Friedman. Yeah, I love um, Lex too, man. Love that guy. Great show. Yeah. He's got, he gets some brilliant people on that show. Oh, um, tell so, me one thing. Uh, with your with your thing in uh, South Carolina, Florida, you said, where in, cause I'm from South Carolina. I was born and raised there in Charleston. Where is that? Yeah. Uh, we got Shark Wake Park in North Myrtle Beach. North Myrtle. Okay, cool. 
Hell yeah. yeah. Charleston's a great town, man. I love Charleston's it. Charleston's cool. Yeah. I was there for a long time. I was ready to get out of the humid. So I'm in Colorado now. I'm looking to either move to like Minnesota or Washington state. I just, I've always liked the cold. I've, I've been in a hot area my whole life. I was like, I need to change, <laughs> but um, I have one last question. Unless was there uh, anything else on that topic? Actually, I think I interrupted you. So no, I didn't. Uh, so no, you asked about an office. We are going to build an office, but it's not for every day of nine to five, mm-hmm. come in and do that old school way of doing business. I'm not about that. I'm not going to have my, my team do that. This, we're going to be more of a gallery and a meeting place. Okay. You know, we're going to have our, our our artists up there, our NFTs up there on digital displays, and have you know a meeting room and hangout spot. That's some. It's really good to get that you know minds in one room spitting and talking and you know collaborating. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to do. But besides that, I mean, we have we have people working and living in Ukraine. We have oh, people cool. living in nice. California. We have people living across the world buildings, you know, it's, it's amazing. So I'm going to ask this question because I'm, since I have you, I want to ask, this is like a selfish question just because I want to know. And, uh, cause I've, I've done, I do NFT photography. So I'm not like, I'm not a NFT creator. I wouldn't say I'm definitely like NFT content creator. Uh, so I do have NFTs, but they're more photography. They're more art based. There's, um, I do have some utility things, but that's not like my main thing. So I had a question from an artist perspective. So with Brandon Murphy, what is the difference between his vision of a long-term play, long-term vision strategy and all that stuff versus you, on the other hand, you come in from a business angle, marketing, you know, these got to work, but we got to make sure these things happen. And like, this has got to happen because of this. What is the discrepancy that, that usually happens? And how do you like go about that with an artist? He had a really good conversation the, the other day about it. We were comparing the two. And uh, as he's going into a new project, say a 22 foot sculpture, mm-hmm. It takes three years to mm-hmm. put together and he iterates and on, chips away. And just like you can imagine a block of granite and the artist is just chipping away on it until it comes to what it is on the inside. That's what it takes for business too. You have to start with a, a goal and a vision and just slowly chip away at it and grow and iterate and develop and see how it all transitions. And then take that, maybe you throw it away and then grow it again and then try to iterate on that again. So I think there's a, really good analogy between sport, between art and between entrepreneurship, because you have to have a long-term vision in mind. Nothing happens overnight, especially in business, especially, you know, in what we're doing with Brendan Murphy. So, you know, in this space, in the NFT space, everyone expects everything to happen in the next hour. Right. And some teams are really effective at doing that, but we're dealing with Brendan Murphy, who is, a living, breathing artist who's got an exceptional amount of in real life work going on too that we're trying to connect to. So with that in real life work, there is a ton of third parties that you got to ensure the contracts are mm-hmm. all good. You got to ensure that everyone's following step and saying the right thing legally and yep. doing the right thing legally. So lawyers come involved. So it's a process and it has to be a, a really... Um, carefully curated process because if you if you do anything wrong or screw up the wrong way it has profound re, uh, re, repercussions yeah so art does that way too you know brendan when he uh got into Bungie project he had 20 years of past experience behind him you know as you look at the avatars that we have the, the paintings behind mm-hmm. him started 20 years ago yeah that is the crazy the visors of ears yeah it's a culmination of 20 years of work mm-hmm him 
And I'll, I'll end it on this one because I think it's really cool to talk about. When we first spit out the first iterations of the generation from all the different traits they put in, we had 60 backgrounds, 60 visors, 60 bodies in 20 years. And then we chipped away at that and made it better. And then we did multiple different iterations of the software to spit out what each randomly generated avatar looked mm-hmm. like. I remember the first time he saw it and he saw his artwork in a way he's never seen before in his life. And it was almost overwhelming for him because 20 years of his work is in the Boonji project. And I think that's what's so special about it. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. And, and how you just said, like it, take, it's, it was 20 years of work. And, and then right before you said nothing is built over time. In fact, for people listening, you absolutely do not want it to go overnight. If you if it goes overnight, that is you're literally fighting an upper battle, an upper battle for, forever. You know, if you if you make a TikTok that goes viral and you get a million followers tomorrow, now what? You know, chances are you're not gonna Charlie D'Amelio it and fly to hundred million. Chances are your next video is gonna get four thousand views and the next one's gonna get two hundred. So it's really actually scary to go viral because if you go viral, there's all this pressure. People don't know who you are, they don't really know your brand. And it's actually a completely uphill battle. And so I think, honestly, we, we, we covered like the bulk of this interview. We had so many topics. And I do want to do a rapid fire thing if you have time. Yeah, please. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's go. Um, first one, this is the only one related to Bungie, but what was Mint Day like if you were there? Like on the actual Mint Day, was it stressful? What was it like compared to anything else you've done? Man, it, was, it was very, very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you have so much riding on it. Yeah. You know, we, transparency, you know, the week before we pulled the plug on our Mint. Oh, we wow. stopped it dead in its tracks. We, we stopped it before any transaction could happen because our Discord was completely flood, flooded with bots Shit. and people were getting scammed left and right. We didn't want anyone, any further damage to happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. So we stopped it before one transaction happened. We got very lucky that we stopped it in time before anything else happened. But we stopped. We, then we waited another week to prepare ourselves even better. And we got more safety nets into the Discord and through, uh, through our platform so we could protect people better. So we went through that the first week. The second week coming up, all this pressure is on you again because you got to execute on it. Uh, you know, it really feels like you're going to battle yeah. or you're going into a championship game or you're ready to tee off at like some major event because mm. that's what it is. You're, you have this buildup of months of work yeah. to a single time game in time. space. And it better work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. luckily it worked. That's yeah. crazy. And, and, the, so, and the best part is your, your, your band, English, your brand building and your networking, you're talking to people. That is what allows you to push back your mint and not have a civil war happen because people are like, look, we fuck with these people. They're looking for our best interest. We want the best for this project. They're thinking long-term. We want long-term who cares what's one week. You know what I mean? And that's awesome that you guys were able to do that. It's awesome. Okay, now we'll go into this is more you focus. What was your first relationship? When was it, and how long did it last? Oh wow, uh, <laughs> uh, I was with a, my girlfriend in high school for six years. Wow. We uh, met as sophomores, and she came with me to college at the University of Miami. And um, I moved down to Australia, and unfortunately, long term relationship didn't last. And luckily, it didn't because I've met my future wife, and we're about to get married in a week. Oh, in a week? Oh, shit. Well, uh, future congratulations. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy. That's awesome. Thank wow. You. Is she is she into NFT stuff as well? Or does she have like no choice? Or are you just always talking about it? No, nah, she's amazing, man. She she knew how much hard work I was putting into it. And she did everything she can to educate herself from the side to be able to understand what I was doing. Wow. And uh, now she bought, she's a buyer. She loves it. No she's way. able to tell people how to, 
open up a Coinbase account to Let's buy ETH, go. to send up your MetaMask, <laughs> to open up your OpenSea to finally place a bid. I mean, she's okay. she's in. She loves Damn, it. Damn, that's so cool. Yeah, I got my mom recently. She, I was like, look, I got a cool NFT. I'll give it to you. You just got to like open account and just like put some money in and do it. Like I would love to. That's, that's so cool she's doing that. That's awesome. Um, what's your favorite homemade meal, fast food meal, and restaurant? Homemade meal. Can't go wrong with a steak. I love it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, nice yeah. filet mignon. Oh, my God. Maybe some mashed potatoes, garlic mashed potatoes on the side. <laughs> uh, meal going out, sushi. sushi. Love it. Oh, yeah. I, right. One of my favorite places in the world is Tokyo, Japan. Mm-hmm. I love the culture so much. And then uh, what was the last question? Uh, favorite restaurant, like specific restaurant if you have one. Oh, um, Kote, Kote, it's a Korean restaurant oh, down yeah. in Miami and in New York. Amazing place. Well, it's funny you said Tokyo. My, my mom's Japanese. She's from Japan, from Nagoya. So I've been in Japan so many times. And likewise, I, I love Japan. And their food is just, yeah. it's not even comparable. It's so fucking good. It's, so, it's good. so fucking good. It's so clean. The culture's amazing. People are so happy. I love the place. And I'm sure, like, how, how tall are you? Are you, like, taller or, like, average height or, like, 5'11". I like you're probably you're a giant in Japan. You know, like I'm five nine. I'm like five eight. I'm like a giant in Japan. It's weird. Like I'm walking in grocery stores. Top, like top shelf is like right here. It's it's a weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but I love it. Okay, uh, two questions left. At what age did you become, or did you begin to become your true person? Like stepped into your final form, kind of thing. What age did that start? I don't think I'm there yet. No. Okay. I, 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 nope. I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I'll ever be there because I think. Uh, no one's ever there. I think you're constantly learning every day. I see my father go through many different transitions in his life, and he's had a very experienced, well-traveled life. <laughs> and one thing I've always learned from him is that he is constantly learning as well and constantly growing. So that's how I want to be. I don't want to think I'm ever static. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And the final question, um, I, I made a tweet the other day, and I said, be very, very careful who your role models are because if you listen to them enough – you'll start to become them. Who are your role models? And are there any role models that people from like 13 to 30 should be focusing on more often? Because like I'm looking at Tom and Gary, but are there people that you've heard about that maybe other people have never heard of that you've followed for a long time? Yeah, uh, I've been following Joe Rogan for a long time. Uh, from his early stages before he got big, I really liked how he, you look at Joe and he's this meathead, wrestler, <laughs> you know, comedian. Yeah. But he's constantly asking questions and wants to learn, right? He's got an open mind about everything. And he always doesn't think that he's got the right answers because no one really has all the right answers 100% of the time. So Joe is a big influence in my life. Um, And then my dad, like I said, I've been very lucky to be able to travel the world with him, uh, be able to experience how he interacts with people, uh, how he was able to be an athlete and then grow a business. Uh, so yeah, my, my dad and Joe. Oh yeah. Did, were you able to talk to him about these things or did you kind of just pick up on like vibes and, and like how he just was, was it more observing or were you able to like pick, pick his brain a little bit or. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I, he's very good about, uh, me asking him questions almost incessantly <laughs> about, <laughs> about what's going on in the world. When I was a kid. I was constantly harboring him for information. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I, I was always tapping him on the shoulder to look, you know, Hey, <laughs> You know, how'd I do, did, what did I do wrong here? Yeah. How could I do that better? 100%. Damn. All right, guys. Well, that, that was like, that was a top level interview right there. That was amazing. I really, I really appreciate you coming on, Greg. And uh, there's so much value, guys. I really appreciate everyone watching. Um, is there any, like, do you want to shout out anybody? Is there anyone you want to like 
say like I appreciate you, like highlight this or, or whatever. Do you, um, well, I'll plug all your stuff down below and all the Bungie, Jupiter, your stuff. But is there anyone you want to shout out or anything like that? Yeah, man, I, I definitely do. You know, this has taken a gigantic effort from very many people to bot, to build up Bungie Project like it is, and to build up Jupiter Group like it is, and to build up Polygoons like it's gonna be. So our moderators, uh, Needmo, Bungie, Complexities, Boonwalker, Boonjoy, Bad and Bungie, uh, Boon. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot more. Yeah. I got a list. Hang on, <laughs> I got a list. Oh yeah, these guys are awesome, and they grind it out. Uh, Jabunji also with Banana Man, um, Coin Banksy, and then my partners, Chris King, Kevin LeFew, Nicole McGraw, Jim Feltman, and of course, Brendan and Mr. E. And oh, and Ace, Ace, she's uh, new on our team. Oh, yeah. She's been amazing contribution to it. Uh, so yeah, as you can see, uh, I unfortunately... I need to get better at remembering <laughs> everyone's names. Yeah. <laughs> I need to write them down because we have a few of them, but I'm very thankful for all of them. They've done a great job. Yeah. Hell yeah. And, and you guys can tell, like, if, if you listen to this interview and listen to Greg talk just now and you are not more bullish than you were before and you've, it's just good. You can tell the type of person who's running a company, if the company's going to do well, just by their demeanor, like Gary B talks about, there's a lot of subconscious things you can pick up from to see if, if a project or, or if a CEO or whatever is like authentic. And, and you can tell just from my conversation with you, the kind of person you are and the stories that you had and you being transparent is, is so amazing for all the NFT projects. So if anyone's watching and maybe you know someone or you have a connection or you have a project, please reach out. I'd love to do interviews. This is amazing. Greg, I want to say thank you one last time for coming on. It was a pleasure. Appreciate you, Kate. And anyone else out there who's got questions about wanting to launch a project and needs to talk to someone about it, don't hesitate, man. Like or anyone out there, just please reach out because open book here. I help. Uh, happy to help. Hell yeah! All right, guys. Thank you so thank much you, for Kate. watching. Thank you. Subscribe, like the video, all those things. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Or I was looking at the camera. There's no camera right there. I'm looking here. Bye, guys. <laughs>